welcome to Cannabis Business Minds Podcast with your host, Simone Samaluka Radzin. Join me where I'll take you inside the ins and outs of this brand new and exciting business called cannabis. Connect with me on Calagia.com and follow us on social media as well. And here's today's show. Hello, Cannabis Business Minds. This is your podcast host, Simone Similucaradzin, CEO of Calagia. And on today's podcast, we get the pleasure of speaking with Ruben Honig, the executive director of the LA Cannabis Task Force. We'll get to talk about Los Angeles, cannabis regulations, and all the stuff that's been happening in 2017 and 2018. Ruben. Hello, Simone. Hello. I'm so happy to have Ruben Honig, my fellow Latvian brother on Cannabis Business Minds. True. Yes. So I feel like your phone must be ringing a lot right now. Is it? My phone is, it is ringing a lot today. Uh, Not as much as yesterday. I was hoping that things would slow down and I could shut my eyes for a moment, but it's it's definitely not. uh, With the passage of the ordinances yesterday Mm -hmm. and with a tall task of of starting to implement it plus the fixes that we're going to do on the fly. There's just so much work to do and, you know, many operators that are scrambling and getting prepared. And mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I feel because we're friends and then I, f- I forget because I start seeing you at all these speaking engagements, introducing very top people, going to these, you know, y- you're the executive director of the L.A. Cannabis Task Force. And that's a pretty big deal. It sounds great, doesn't it? It does sound great. (laughs) And so, I mean, there's so much that I want to talk to you about. We don't have a ton of time. But I guess, can you just tell, can you paint the story? I mean, like, I remember we met, what was it, 18, 19 months ago at that event in Santa Monica at the Calagia event with you and Ariel right when you started the LA Cannabis Task Force. Right when we started the task force. Yes. Ariel spoke. Yeah, and she spoke. At that event. Yeah. And that's when I met you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so how did the task force even evolve? The task force started as a hope and a prayer. Uh, <laughs> it was actually, it was it was really started by Ariel. Ariel, Ariel was um, extremely <laughs> upset about the situation in Los Angeles. There was, I don't know if you were there, but there was a meeting on Venice Beach uh, no. in the rain. And I think... It might have been a California Growers Association meeting or that they, you know, they were trying to launch a local chapter. I don't remember exactly because I, it was one of my first events I'd actually have ever been to in the cannabis industry. I wasn't, you know, I was an operator yep. and I was a patient, but I, you know, I didn't do kind of those networking events so much yep. and wasn't politically active. Yeah. And everyone was at that event and saying, what are we going to do about Prop D? How are we going to be able to operate? What are we going to stop being criminalized? There was just this massive outpouring and Ariel was one of the people that was, was leading the meeting. And as the story goes, you know, as she told me, she woke up, I think, at four in the morning with her with her hair on fire, and she was just like very upset. And she was like, "What can I do? How do I move this conversation forward? How do I make sure that we build an amazing, you know, inclusive industry? How do we make sure that women are represented? That people, you know, mm-hmm. people of color, minorities. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, at this point, I don't know what's safe to say about any sort of person. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Who knows what to say? You know, which I feel, you know, was was the start of the basis of you know, this conversation about repairing the damages from the war on drugs. And it was about, you know, delivery services that she represented or that were in the industry that wanted to be, you know, legit and that served amazing patients and made amazing products. It was about really the cottage industry and the small businesses. So that was was the the beginnings of the task force, and I helped her get it off the ground. And I guess 18 months later, 
We passed an ordinance. Yeah, I mean, you passed and you helped. passed an we ordinance. Helped. We helped to pass an ordinance. You helped we pass were part, an ordinance. Part of the conversation. It was an, an amazing experience. Um, amazing, helping make the sausage, <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, really learning about the political process. Um, you know, I I was really, really not fortunate, but it was. It was amazing. I came to this industry as a patient. I was, you know, I've told you before, but I was very sick, and, and medical yeah. cannabis got me better. Um, you know, because you came from the East Coast, where you couldn't access any medicine, right? And coming to California, you were able to. Well, you could maybe. Yeah, but <laughs> not I lab did, tested. I, I came to California, you know, for the safe access. You know, I was really? very fortunate. I had family that lived out here that that brought me in, and you know, you know, helped me on the medical side and you know on the business side. But then I, I ended up. You know, not I moved out here naively. I thought that businesses were normal. I thought that it was. I thought that not normal. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that you. I didn't understand that the industry was criminalized. I thought everything was legal. And I think a lot of people that don't know or don't know the intricacies and the minutia of the laws or even the broad strokes of it think that the, there's this medical program, especially since it's so big in Los Angeles and throughout California, which I who knows where it is now. But at that, you know, it's been like forty nine percent of the entire country's market. For it's forty nine percent of the California. Entire, wow. At least that's what I've been saying all the time. So I hope it's right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I didn't understand that I was a criminal. Like I was, I was like I was a criminal. Ariel was my attorney. She was like she was like explaining it to me, and I'm like, what? And I was like, well, I, yeah. you know, I. Not that the business was doing so wonderfully, if anyone remembers. But you made so didn't garden, you like a number of, one list? Garden your... of Weed and Medicated Dried Fruit. Well, I was a little embarrassed. We won, I won an Edibles List Award, and it was uh, for best dried fruit. And I was like, "This is embarrassing." I'm like, how many people are in this category? There were like five. It was our. But then I saw, you know, best like donut hole or something, and I was like, or best cream puff, and I was like, you know what? I don't feel so bad. Anymore. I don't feel so bad anymore. Yeah, I got into a couple like. Great shops. I, you know, won yeah. this award and I was I retired into the sunset. That's the best way to retire. But so I guess that's a good point is that when you're like, well, I felt like, you know, Ariel was my attorney and I was I was a criminal, quote unquote. Is it because federally you weren't regulated or because in the city of Los Angeles at that time before that meeting in Venice Beach until yesterday, you really didn't have any rights? Like, I mean, ex- can you explain that a little bit? No. Yes. Oh, fine. I'll explain it. It was it was just that. As you see in the city of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know, there was this subjective rating. And I mean, I wasn't on the radar. I was such a small operator. And there was, yeah. but, you know, I, again, you don't have the ability to, to set up a legitimate business, right? You can't get, you can't, I mean, banking is a whole different story. That's, that's a federal thing and a state thing. But, um, yeah. you know, I couldn't just walk into a facility. I couldn't just openly, this is what I mean. It's like yeah. you're, you're criminal. It, you don't have the same luxury as other business operators. You can't just be an entrepreneur. So to take it full yeah. circle, the, the point was that, you know, being a patient, being an operator for, you know, not so long, but, you know, actually dealing with police and stuff like that, like on a very small scale, it was, it was, a. Uh, how was that? How was it? Yeah. Because you, I feel like, you know, if you're in this industry or not, you either, regardless where you are, you either like police or you don't. You either feel a little anxiety when you see them or you're like, oh, okay, I feel protected. And knowing that maybe they don't have your back, like how was the interaction with law enforcement? Well, I mean, the issue is the grander issue is that mm-hmm. you have people that are getting have been getting robbed. You know, there's all that cash out there. People are getting their their products stolen. Yeah, and they have no no protection. 
like like a like a normal like not again normal I say normal person but like a business person yeah. or a, a, a member of society they didn't have the protection of the police they can't tell the police right mm-hmm. yeah I mean or if an employee steals from you cannabis cash whatnot or does something you don't you can't go necessarily like file a police report to be like hey help me out here yeah but. It's that's that's actually really interesting. Do you have I mean, because now you're more on the lobbying side and really helping operators. But do you have any stories that you could share just because, you know, so much of this is always my positive, happy bubble about cannabis and reminding people that, hey, it's compliant. But, you know, we really haven't really talked about this ever. Simone, without you, what would we do? Uh, I think probably sell a lot of weed and be less compliant. I don't know. No, I just wanted to say that yeah. you know, to take it my just my story full circle is yeah. that I I cared more about protecting businesses mm-hmm. than than it was for me to o- operate. That's what actually in, not just interested me. I really you know cared deeply about it. You know I'm very proud to advocate for a position that I I deeply believe in. It's not because you know I'm getting I'm getting paid to do something. It's it's, it's because it is in my opinion, the right thing to do. And, yep. I, and I couldn't, you know, argue the other side of it. It wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And, you know, it, it's been very painful through this process, yeah. you know, seeing, hearing operator stories and, you know, the continued criminalization and, you know, without going, you know, too deeply in, into the minutia of the regulations, mm-hmm. it's going to take time. These, they're, they're trying to regulate mm-hmm. the biggest industry, the shadow industry, you know, Ever. In regulated industry and the, what people say in the world, or let's just say at least the country, that's bigger than many other states combined. Yeah, it's a very difficult process. Yeah, and there's a lot of bureaucracy in the city of Los Angeles, and you know, it's, it's again, it's. I mean, it's the city of Los Angeles. It's a very big city, and I mean, when you just forget about this cannabis, and then you just think about the risk of who do you even give a license to, and the uncertainties of you know, clearly, like there's not cartels, but I mean, there's definitely, I guess, crime that happens and it's underground crime from a lot of different cultures that like if you're regulating cannabis and making sure that I could see that it's a very big daunting task. Like I would never want to be in the position to be, you know, the person that regulates cannabis and figures out who gets a license in the city of Los Angeles and have to deal with all the stakeholders. And I really commend what you guys have been able to do because I've been able to watch it. Like I watched it when you guys were like handing out flyers and telling people I was never at that meeting at the beach, but that paints like the most beautiful story ever because, you know, it's an up hill battle and you guys have been able to on the task force really do amazing stuff like you guys give free events to people you have to pay for the events more than 200 people come you give them access to how to go for a licensing like how to you explain what's happening and you're kind of this you know what is the task force right now i think you know we have as a task force we have a a responsibility to our membership and yeah when i say membership i'd I, I speak about the entire industry. I don't speak about just the people that are our members. The members of the other organizations that are part of this industry and want to be part of this industry are, are, are p- the people that I that I speak for. Yeah. Um, the, you know the task force. You know things things do and, and will evolve naturally when when those times come. But you know with the city of Los Angeles and we had the city council meeting yesterday. We have you know amendments that we're working on. You mm-hmm. know for January and and still still we're still baking the cake. So yes. I like to say this is – it was kind of the end of round one yesterday. It was a momentous day for the city of Los Angeles and immediately it's on to round two. And how do we implement, you know, work out, the, you know, the holes and the kinks and 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 make it work mm-hmm. and, and make it work as, as effectively as possible. 
Okay, you said like this cake analogy. Like, have we put the batter into the pan and put that pan into the oven in the city of Los Angeles? Oh, the cake was the cake came out of the oven. The yesterday. cake. So the cake came out. Okay, and now we have to frost the cake and and cool it and and kind of maybe remake a cake or that's TBD. Okay. TBD. I mean, again, it's history is watching us. The state, the yeah. state is watching us. The different council districts are, are watching us. Um, the country's watching us. The world is as well. You know, I'm going to speak again to why this is such a daunting task. Is yes. What I my my new analogy or whatever I might like to say <laughs> is that the city of Los Angeles is like is like a uh, a state. It has yeah. 15 districts, which are like cities, and each city has a mayor. So there's 15 mayors of different, and it's very complicated in LA because every yeah. district is different. There's you know, in terms of is there, when it comes to the cannabis industry, is it commercial areas? Are they industrial space? Is it you know? everything is just complete it's different from district to district and and every council member's priorities are different and i understand that we needed the importance of getting something out before the end of the year and Mm -hmm. now we have to make sure that it is implemented not properly but that we have a smooth transition into this regulated industry and it's going to take time it's going to take time on the state it's going to take time on the local level It's, it's just it's it's a big market but you know we want it to succeed obviously Yeah. What do you think? So then two things. I remember, I mean, we voted on it. So in the city of Los Angeles, like the voters passed Measure M, which is what the ordinance that everyone kind of voted on and made that resolution yesterday, December 7th, 2017 was, correct? Like Measure M was March 7th. No, March 7th is when we all voted yes to Measure M. 80%. 80%, right? And so I guess the question is, why do... Is it just that politics sometimes constitute – like if 80 percent of the population is like, yes, what took so long? Was it just the bureaucracy of figuring it all out? What took With, so long? Yeah. Because I just remember one meeting where it's like, you know, we have to definitely command, you know, as people a little bit more since 80 percent of us wanted something in the city of Los Angeles and it took that much time. Does that make sense? Yes. And as I have learned, and as I know, these things, yeah. these things do take time. We're going to take more time. Yeah. I, uh, again, I you know this is not like a talking point. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm living and breathing it, and it's um. It's going to take time for the city. They need to you know they're going to have to process applications. They're going to have to staff up. Cat <laughs> Packer, God bless her, has a, a very, you know, I, I you know as she once told me, I think that she's the only one that that could maybe handle this. But you know, it's great to have. I wouldn't say her as a, necessarily an ally, but it's just, she's just a great. She's she's up for the task. You see her up in front of the council speaking. You know, yep. she it, it, it's an amazing job that she's doing, and and it's it's a great undertaking. But again, there's there's a learning curve for everyone involved, and you know there aren't so I wouldn't say so many experts in the city about cannabis, but mm-hmm. it's not their core competency. And you have to also remember that. We live and breathe cannabis, but, you know, this is like a certain percentage of what they work on policy daily, weekly, monthly, yeah. yearly. They have so many other things that they're working on at the same time. So They have know, to deal with the homelessness. They have to deal with drug the, problems, fires that are happening. So, no, I get it. Everything. But, um, you know, from my standpoint, they're like, oh, I think we, last time I spoke at that thing, you were like, oh, Ruben, you – are you going to run for political office? Yes. Are you going to be a politician? I you was need like, to be. Only if it's cannabis. That's my thing. I'm like, oh, really? No, I don't know. I'm just, I haven't, I haven't, uh, it's not that I'm not interested in other issues. I just think that. 
Yeah. The, well, that's right. The, now the one thing that you can kind a, of make I, good, right? Like that you cannabis can is my Cannabis is my gateway issue. That's <laughs> the best gateway issue, though. I think that, honestly, if we can do cannabis right and we can give access to people, it will only make people's lives better. Helps with opioids. Helps with, you know, opening up layers of consciousness. Help you. You know what I mean? Like in so many things. So... From a business standpoint, it's important, you know, again, like I said, mm-hmm. for people to be stopped being criminalized and be treated like normal business people. Yes. But let's remember about the patients. It's about it's about the patients. It's about safe access to medicine. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll, I'll bring this back that it's, it's important that we have a robust delivery system in the city of Los Angeles because people forget that those are not only is it difficult to maneuver around Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it's more convenient to get delivery for some people also – it's very important for patients. And for someone that was sick enough that was bedridden for a long time, mm-hmm. I, I get it. And delivery is happening, though, in the city of Los Angeles, correct? Delivery is happening, but you know, independent delivery services are, are going to take some time to roll out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a little concerned about their patient bases that they serve. You know, how are they, you know, that are used to their delivery service? They have, you know, specially curated products. Mm-hmm. They're... You know, what, I, what I've said many times is that a lot of these small operators that may or may not have an opportunity to participate in this, in this, uh, in this industry in the city of Los Angeles make very special med- specialty medicines, very specialty medical products, tinctures. Yeah. It could be tinctures. It could be, you know, oils, deal with cancer patients, deal with people with all the different issues, topicals, even suppositories. They make all these medical products that, that people rely upon and – I want to make sure that people have access to that, and it would be unfortunate if they only have access to it in the illicit market. Yeah. Well, because then the illicit market, A, I mean, from a business standpoint, we need to be able to support all the small to medium-sized entrepreneurs because they're the ones who have gotten us, you know, along with the advocates to where we've got to be. But B, patients, I mean, there's a good thing about regulation, and that's lab testing, right? And so just to ensure that every medicine that somebody has – lab tested. Mm-hmm. So what's been your like biggest lesson learned in all of this? You know, like for two years you've been, you know, so you went from you coming here. I mean, your background's so cool. Like I remember when I introduced you, I forget where, if it was an event and I was reading your bio, I was like copywriter marketing. Cause you're always so good at writing, but like your background's very interesting. What originally just got you into the space, just being a patient and just realizing that. I used to smoke when I was in college and then it started making me paranoid. So I stopped smoking. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating when I was even getting sicker. I was living in Colorado for a couple of years and I didn't even think that cannabis was, they had medical cannabis at that mm-hmm. point. I didn't even think that it was, was an answer. I thought they would just make me anxious and make me feel worse. Um, somehow I, I just stumbled upon CBD when I was living in Florida. I just had this really kind of thought and I started researching it. And luckily I had, again, a, a cousin out here that you know introduced me to a uh, to someone that I spoke on the phone that really provided me with the knowledge, and then I was able to kind of use that knowledge and help you know with some help to get better. So that's amazing because I think what's so hard is that there's so many patients that just or not patients, so hopefully hopeful patients that don't have good experiences with cannabis, right? And heard about it and they're like, oh, you know, tried a CBD once or twice, was with some weird genetics and it doesn't work. So that it's very lucky that you found that you just specific. An- you just answered the question. What? You said, what is the lesson that I learned? So that's the lesson. Patience. Patience. <laughs> well, that's pa- what I was going to say. Like, It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's what Tony and I were talking about. Remember, remember that. Don't forget it. I know. There's a new day. 
There I will know. be a new day. I know. We're going to get through this. Yes. The road might be a little bumpy, but we'll get there. How – it's like you're speaking to me. <laughs> How do you feel about – and I think that's good for the listeners to hear because there's a lot of people that aren't in this space. I mean you literally are talking to regulators all the time. I'm a little on the sidelines. I hear it from you guys. I work with operators who have lobbyists, so I hear it. But you – you know a little bit more, I think, than the general public would know. But why do you think that there's this misconception that everything is going to be perfect for the public January 1st, 2018 in California? Misconception that everything is going to be perfect. Like, I think that, like, I mean, everybody thinks that they're going to be able to find cannabis come January 1st. And that they're going to find that it's going to be like, um, I haven't seen the show on Netflix, but disjointed. Like, you're going to be able to walk into a dispensary and, and get everything that you want. Like, the meat, like the current pop culture, I think, for people that aren't specifically working in this industry is a little bit misleading to a general consumer who might be interested in cannabis. Well, it's also very misleading where you've had many shops that don't take recommendations and you can actually walk into them in the city of Los Angeles yeah. with, without that. Again, it's we're in this transitional period. There are a lot of fixes that, you know, we other organizations are having these conversations on a state level about what's going on up there. How does that affect Los Angeles? How does it affect other municipalities? We're talking about 482 cities and 58 counties. I think 25 to 28 percent have permits online. I think most of them are up north right now. Yeah, right. Southern California is, is a little slow, a little behind the curve. Well, it's, it's kind of crazy. I'm like, what's going to happen with the supply chain? Like it is – I mean we've got at the state level at least a transition period, but it doesn't even matter because you need a local license. Oh, goodness. Authorization. <laughs> Authorization. And what's that mean? Or a letter of acknowledgement maybe. Even like so you could – so theoretically maybe an operator could from that city if they have an ordinance just get a, like a letter of intent. That's like, yes, we will be granting you a license. I don't know. I okay. mean, I, I mean I would hope that every time – an operator applies to the state that someone cat doesn't have to you know take a phone call and be like right she's like yes, yes. like a cannabis portal hopefully yes, yes. technology maybe or uh, an I approval know. process and but we I know. we got to get the applications out in the city of LA we need to have a process to to streamline the processing of them we need to get this social equity program up and running mm -hmm. uh, we need we need to see real and when i talk about the social equity program i mean the spirit of the social equity program. This is not necessarily about people gaming the system. It's about real ownership. It's about real employment, real ownership. I think it's about ancillary businesses as well. People mm -hmm. forget about that. It's not just about the can the cannabis industry. It's about oh, you're totally right. I didn't think ancillary about that businesses at all. as well as as pathways to other other businesses outside of the cannabis industry. I think this is a, this is a broader picture, and it's not just a cannabis thing. I think that honestly, what. America needs is cannabis. Like this is the honestly the way to change a lot. And if we can do it right with, you know, building out people getting licenses in communities that need to be grown more economically and you get people in that community to assist those people, then more I mean it's just like kind of this like snowball effect. Like if you're in cannabis, like you're just running a business, right? And so if you could start employing attorneys, accountants, all of those that support those operators. That's how an ecosystem's built. Electricians. I mean, Electri I mean architects. I mean, architect. I mean, you, you, all sorts of different jobs and that are necessary that yeah. are necessary for the cannabis industry on the cultivation side. Even a plumber. 
on the manufacturing side, even a plumber. You could be, I mean, I'm not going to be that person, but somebody could be the cannabis plumber. Are you going to be a plumber or a cannabis plumber? (laughs) Or you know where I think people should be focusing? Cannabis waste. Because it's like required that you need to have a waste program. Human resources. Yeah. Oh, human resources is huge. That's my that's my big tip, Simone. Go into human resources. Oh, well, I have some ideas about training programs because I think in the end, you know, what we have to do is the operators that are getting licenses, hopefully they're good players that they're going to give back to the community that they've you know aren't gaming any system. But a lot of those people probably need to know how to treat their employees well and attrition is so high in the cannabis space. Like there's such big turnover and I feel like there's a lot of executives that are running these businesses that really could work on human resources and leadership because you're really creating this like new generation of leaders here. There is going to be a heavy cost to regulation and compliance. Oh my God. I don't, again, I don't know. This is not just about, I'm not saying that the state or the cities are unprepared. I'm saying that it's, it's, it's evolving and we're, and we're getting there, but how prepared are the operators? They're not. And so I'm actually rolling out a new project, not Calagia related. Calagia, we're focusing on 2.0, which is going to be bomb. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Um, and then the other project I want to talk with you about, because I was talking to Tony, who uh, was on the show just before you. Love Tony. The best. And, I mean, yes, they need compliance. And everyone's screaming this word compliance, right? Like, oh, yes, an operator needs compliance. But when you think about what's going to happen with the industry – a price of cannabis at the wholesale level right now, how much does it retail? Or how much does it wholesale for? Indoor grow in Southern California. How much is it? How much wholesale. Is, wholesale? Mm-hmm. Between 1800 to $2,400, depending on the, the quality. Right. But we know that price is going to go down. Eh, it, I mean, I think it's going to go up at first because... You think it is? Well, there's going to be the... Um, I think the price is going to go up immediately because I think that there is in the permitted market, in the legal mm-hmm. market, because I don't think that there's going to be adequate supply immediately, permitted supply, yeah. number one. And then I think when testing comes online, there's that other issue and, you know, with onerous testing restrictions, then once that gets dialed in, we've seen in other states, it, again, it, you see a lot of failures. You see a lot of failures, but like, I mean, I'm working with some organ operators, sun-grown cannabis. I mean, it's like... 700, 800 a pound. And so I'm like, five. Yeah. And so I'm like, five to eight. And so I'm just curious about where that price is going because with that price, like, there's this cannabis markup that people have, like, from a consulting aspect. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to drop that price down to give operators some, like, affordable solutions. So I'm trying to talk to Tony about some stuff. Like inventory, boring stuff, inventory reconciliations, like all that kind of stuff. But we kind of make them successful. Your I you just put me to sleep. No, I know. I totally put you to sleep. So then, what are you? What are you working on then? So you know, Take a small nap. Well, I'm glad you are back awake. Thanks. <laughs> so, city of LA just passed some stuff. Clearly, you mentioned. Okay, we still have a lot of work to do. The cake is out of the oven, but we got some stuff to do. But like, how do you spend all your time? Because you're always working. Or, do, or do, does everybody think I'm always working? I always think you're working, but I never see you working. But what is working? Is it just talking? Like, every what time, do you do all day? Every time we work together, we never work. We just we, we never just, work. We, we whiteboard a little bit. No, yeah, we whiteboard. We did, we did work a we little bit. We did some bit. work. We did some whiteboarding, some white <laughs> walling. White walling. Um, what do I do? It's Because you just moved into a new office, right, with your business partner. Because, like, you do the LA Cannabis Task Force not as 
a position to make money. Like you're doing that to move the society, the cannabis industry forward in LA. No, I actually, you know, I, I very intentionally and very transparently have not taken private clients in the city of Los Angeles, even though there have been many offers to me. I, Oh really? I, I literally, you know, I'm, I, I, with people in the city of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. my, my view has been through this process. If you want advocacy, if you want government affairs, if you want these kinds of things, you come through the association. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that it's right to take private clients as well. Um, yep. You know, maybe now moving forward when, when it makes more sense, you know, because people are going to need more individualized things. But I don't think that there's anything people couldn't have gotten on a uh, the most effective ways to go through the association again. And mm-hmm. it's also been difficult because sometimes people would rather hire a person specifically than actually join an association. Yeah, no, it's 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 very interesting. And but I you know, I also do have a private practice, Cirrus Strategies, and working with lots of other cities uh, on licensing and local permit. I can always see licensing and permitting, but that's the same thing. Like local licensing. A permit gets you the license, right? Something like that, I think. Yeah. But I uh yeah, working on other cities and creating relationships and leveraging other relationships and just trying to, you know, it's not just about jamming your business in there and, and getting everything for them and getting everything, you know, you you want to have favorable conditions for a business, but at the same time, it's important to educate the city mm-hmm. for them to get it right, to regulate it broadly, to not be very narrow, for them to understand it and not be afraid of it. So it's almost like it's it's lobbying, but it's advocacy. It's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of advocacy to it. And, you know, I think that it, it's very important that who the messenger is. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, like crazily effective. The, mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is that it's just, you know, it's not just a job for me. My heart's really in it and it, I really care about it. No, I know you know. How is it? I mean, so then you've been able to kind of assess different markets or regulators in these different cities. Do do you believe that each city has like this different flavor, like this different personality? Totally. There, I mean, the councils are completely different in every one of them and there's different dynamics between them and different, you know, different city staff and different city managers and different city attorneys. It's just every city is different and the dynamic and how they relate to each other is different. And, you know, you put someone in a key position like a city manager or not just council members but staffers or a city attorney that is not very favorable to cannabis, it kind of jams things up and their perspective starts. Oh, so that's like the bottleneck. Leaking leaking into things. But, uh, you know, you want to – that's why you want to really – broadly educate why do you think from your experience like what has it been that's made people if it's that person that bottleneck against cannabis or not in favor of kind of opening up the discussion further why does it have to be a bottleneck always does is it not a bottleneck what about it what about about a bottleneck yeah i mean i think that it's a bottleneck to regulation there's interest by people probably, constituents, like you're opening it up and then somebody or maybe some people are like, no, you know, we're not okay with it. Like why does it take so long I guess is the question. Is it just having to get everybody's buy-in or – What I've seen in many cities and I think this is common. You can ask for many people out there that do similar work to me with attorneys, consultants, advocates, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, is that cities have their processes. Um I think, number one, a lot of cities were waiting for Los Angeles to see what they did in Southern California. Mm -hmm. You know, Long Beach and San Diego is separate, but I think that a lot of cities were seeing Santa Ana is online and the desert's online. But a lot of cities are waiting to see what's going on with Los Angeles. And it's also – it's very fascinating that I think that even cities that want to speed things up, then they get a little squirrely towards the end. And I've seen it in multiple cities that I've been involved in that – people that are Mm anti-cannabis or people from the community don't come out until the end. 
Oh, really? So it's like this 11th hour of... I've seen it in multiple cities, and then the council members are like, we've had all these meetings, and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, there's this energy to kind of jam it up and slow it down. Then they start getting maybe letters and postcards, and people get start getting more involved as it becomes closer to a reality. Oh, interesting. And that's when actually the work begins. That's when you have to... That's when the, you know, the council members that have been pushing it have to, like, really... Not toughen up, but they have to stay with stay the course. It's very you know. It's oh, but that's hard because they want to get reelected, right? Correct. Oh my God! See, this is what I've realized about government stuff. I'm like, everybody. If you get that, if you get that gig, if you're in politics, you probably just like whatever kind of business you want to continue to develop yourself, or maybe you're very happy with the role that you have, and so. In the end, how do you get that role? It's not necessarily that you just perform well. Well, it is, but you perform well for who? The people that will vote for you. So I get it. It's so crazy, this government politics. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a client, and he was like, yeah. I was like, what have you been up to? He's the CEO of a company, a cannabis company. He's like, I've been politicking. (laughs) I was like, but that's – I mean, that's the name of the game. Especially it's like you got to build those relationships. Anyone that is interested in – participating in a regulated legal cannabis industry that has not pitched in or participated in the political or regulatory process or the it's is in my opinion behind the ball yeah i've heard even people that people don't even know what's there in the industry that don't know either they're casually ignoring it or they really don't know what's going on in the city of los angeles they, they don't want to pay attention to it. Actually, I was talking to somebody and I was like, oh, yeah, did you read the new update from LA Cannabis Task Force? They're like, oh, I didn't hear about that. I'm like, how did you not hear about these guys? You follow a certain social media feed, you hear about certain things, and it's just kind of crazy. So then how do you spend your day to day? Because I am curious. Like, I, I love knowing about people's jobs. And, like, I know you talk to so many people, but, like, for today, day after ordinances are kind of released, like, how do you spend your day today? I spend my day today. Yeah, back to work. Working on behalf of like, I mean, I, do you, you know, really catching up on my emails today. <laughs> really catching up on my client calls. Yeah. Really checking in with my membership, um, our membership. Really, I do it going to it's only what we're doing the podcast now. It's still middle of the afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know, creating new business as well as, you know, fielding, you know, requests and people that want to talk about new business mm-hmm. opportunities, helping people, you know, possibly clean up messes. I mean, it was just like it's business as usual. Yes. On the phone all day. All day, every day. All day, every day. Okay, so what's – and I don't know how much you want to share, but I have a lot. What's your game plan? How are you going to take over the world? Because you're doing good stuff. You know, you like I'm so – like I I'm admire gonna... you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Is it just because I'm Latvian like you? Yes. No, it's because, you know, okay, you're a patient and then you're like, you all of a sudden just like win an edible award for a company. And then you're like, you know what? I'm actually more passionate about helping a lot of people. And then you you and your team with the task force start something. And then you've grown this, you know, excellent thing. You're connected with a lot of people. You're also working with clients outside of Los Angeles. And so you see a lot, you know, you see business plans, you see opportunity all the time and you see the need for a change. So I'm curious, like, how can we get on your, on your bus? You know, like how, you know, Jim Collins is like, you know, you, you find the good team and you want to get on their bus and then figure out where the bus is going. Like, where's your bus going? I guess before, if we want to get on it. Maybe I should take my blinders off and pay attention to it. (laughs) Maybe that's what I should start doing after. (laughs) However, I, I still... 
you know, I still want to develop my consulting practice. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's an earthquake. No, but there hopefully isn't. Not, I, <laughs> I, I feel like, are we under a subway? <laughs> I feel like, you know, I want to develop my consulting practice, obviously, but, I, you know, I really want to continue to help and push this conversation forward in the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, I want to help push the conversation forward in the county as well. Uh, the Angeles Emeralds are doing amazing work there, and Jonathan Shvetko is, is, you know, a dear friend, and he's a real... He's incredible, and the work that he has done and accomplished, and you know what we've accomplished in the city of LA. We, you know, we've been doing it together, you know, the whole time. And I, I just, I really want to make sure that LA sets a model for other cities to follow, mm-hmm. and and that I think if we can streamline it in LA, then other cities around will will streamline their process and start coming online and, and moving forward. When do you think we're going to be able to see, like, some form of consumption or tourism in L.A.? They're going to, be going to have it in West Hollywood. So it's for sure. Okay, because I was talking to Jackie, but, like, that actually seems like it's going to happen soon. Yeah, eight licenses for uh, public – eight licenses for lounges to smoke, or I think it has to be outdoor, and eight, like, cafes for, like, edibles. Oh, my God, I need to move there. <laughs> That's so exciting. So, like, how do you envision, Apply, like – Apply, Simone. I can't. Not right now. I'm focused on Santa Monica, where I live. There's and no, the beach cities. In Santa Monica, there's no licenses. I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe Venice one day. Maybe Venice one day. Yes. Or maybe a West Hollywood fun consumption site. Because that's like, I mean, when I think about why I'm in this industry beyond just trying to like move some stuff like forward, it's so fun to actually like imbibe and like have this like new conversation. And like, you know, the cafes started <laughs> – in like coffee shops started because people had dialogues, right? And so like if like on-site consumption lounges start, that's going to be a completely new way of how we interact socially with each other. Don't you think? I think if we streamline the process that we're in now, <laughs> the, faster, so the faster we can move that forward, okay. the faster will there be room for, for public consumption to begin. Well, I think that's going to be the bigger issue, right? Like people are like, oh, I – It's not It's not if, it's when. That is is the question. Can you uh, give us um, what you think when it would be? Not sure. Okay. Unde- undecided. Undecided. It really, it's it's dependent upon, you know, the resources that the city puts in to, to pushing this forward. And we again, I, I keep saying the same thing: is we need to roll out this program and get something solidified, and then I think that you'll start adding on to it yeah. some more. And then to roll out the por- the program, what needs to happen? Truly. Like, I mean, because we've got Cat Packer and then we've got all these other people that are wanting licenses or want to support moving the program forward. Like, is it kind of that if we're not one of those, we just watch and sit? Or how do we, I mean, besides like joining kind of the task force, like how do we get involved? Like, how do we help move that system forward? I I think, you know, when I talk to to many businesses, I think it's all about engaging with communities. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that you know, there will always be, or there is this residual prohibition, prohibitionist attitudes. And, you know, the people say prohibition is over when Prop 64 passed, but it's it's going to take time. And I, and I think it's the business owners, it's the individuals, it's the humans' responsibility to to yeah. give back to their communities. Yeah. To, like you did that amazing the event. The beach cleanup was you awesome. The, you did a beach cleanup, a cannabis beach cleanup, mm-hmm. which... I have an. I, I have another one that's going to happen. I want to do another beach cleanup. No, not a beach cleanup. This it's gonna, one it's is going to get dirty again. You have to clean it up again. Yeah, but it was fun though. I think that's also the cool no, thing. No, you're, you're you're building community, but you know people have to understand understand uh, 
you know, how many great people, not just are in this industry, but again, it's everyone's responsibility to move the conversation forward. And yes, we're going to have consumption bars. And yes, we're going to have all these things that you dream of, Simone, <laughs> and we all dream of. And we'll get there. And, you know, our children, our children's children, and blah, 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 continuing on, will be like, this will just be a moment in history when this changed, but it's going to be normal for them right. for, for the next generations. Oh, my God. I can't – like that's – I think to me that's like the coolest thing. It's like being part of history. So what do you think – you know, who knows when? So let's not go talk about how many years it's going to be. What's your ideal L.A. situation? My ideal – Ideal situation, utopia. You are not – you know, all of a sudden – your phone's ringing, but your assistant's doing it all, and you're not so you're not working a lot. Like, what's your ideal situation? My ideal situation is like I hibernate for two weeks. That's my ideal situation. <laughs> okay, through that's the, yours. Through the, through the new year. <laughs> okay, what about the city oh, of LA? You, oh, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> you with the city of LA? Like, if you could really figure it out, like probably it's gonna be three to five years, or maybe longer, maybe less. But what's your ideal situation? My ideal situation or or reality? Mm, your ideal situation. Oh, I mean, my ideal situation is that is that we'd be all ready to go for January first. Um, I think. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, no, I mean like post twenty eighteen. I'm like after all the kinks have been kind of evolved. Like, what's that ecosystem that you imagine truly in Los Angeles to be? Oh, I mean, it's it's very hard because I deal with this on a daily basis, and I, yeah. I deal with reality versus conception. And, oh yes, and you know, I would like to see this entire industry, you know, at, at least. A lot of the business is up and running by the middle of the year. Um, I don't want to see people go beyond that. I think, you know, realistically, it might it's going to take longer. Mm-hmm. Only time will tell. Yeah. You know, I want again. I want every. I think that if we can get most of the ecosystem up by the middle of the year, then we're cooking with gas. And but again, I think it's going to take more time than that. Okay. Okay. Well, I have to get you back on the show to assess this mid year. Okay. So before we end, do you want to do the speed round? Yes. <laughs> What is thanks for, thanks for not warning me. <laughs> well, if you listen to the podcast, you would know. I do all the time. So what is one thing, one piece of advice that you give somebody just getting into the industry? Oh, go to events. I mean, until I started going to events and networking and actually meeting people, mm-hmm. that's, that's the name of the game. You know, you might grow out of it eventually or you might, you know, you need to meet people and find like-minded people and learn, 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 learn. Yes. When's the next Cannabis Task Force event? TB. D? D. All right. Calagia is in, is in January. We should do a fun one together. Great. All right. Um, what keeps you – like what is uh, – what are a few words to describe why you hustle? Like what's your drive? Why do you do it? Because I care. Because, that's good. And yes. Last but not least. And don't, don't – don't uh, don't start something that you're not going to finish. <laughs> I'm good at that. Um, Me too, kind of. Oh my god! I, well, they're not. They're just like you know, little burners that are like still waiting. They're just like you know, simmering, and they haven't bubbled yet. And I'm lots waiting of, for the lo- bubbling. Lots of pots boiling. <laughs> lots not of boiling, pots boiling. Sim- simmering. There's simmering. a lot of simmering going on. Um, you it's know, very lofty of you. Sorry. <laughs> we talked about kind of you know where your ideal situation is, but you know, kind of led into this. But last question is one year from now. 2018, December 7th, where are you going to be? Where am I going to be? Yeah. What's your, what do you want in 365 days? What do I want in 365 yes. days? That's a hell of a question, Simone. Well, it's the last one. 
<laughs> you came up with the, the, the big dog for the end? Of course. I can't start it off that, that crazy. I want to I really have moved this conversation forward. I want California to be you know, on, on its way. You know, I have personal goals for myself that I would like to see see occur, but I, again, I, I probably will put blinders back on and, and keep hustling and, and working. And, you know, I believe in, if you work hard, it will pay off. And I would love to see us in a year, you know, as a cannabis community come together. I know that's important to you as well. I mm-hmm. wish, I wish petty differences would be put aside and I wish that we would all be working towards the same goal. So that, that, that is, that's truly what I, you know, I would I would love to see in 365 days or less. All right. Well, let's start at the clock. <laughs> All right, Ruben, thank you so much for joining. So if you guys want to find information about Ruben and what he's working on, I would say go to LACannabisTaskForce.org and shoot Ruben an email at Ruben at LACannabisTaskForce.org. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cannabis Business Minds. This is your podcast host, Simone Samaluka Radzin, CEO of Calagia. I hope you all have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cannabis Business Minds. I'm your podcast host, Simone Simaluka Radzin, CEO of Calagia. And if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to be considered to be on Cannabis Business Minds, shoot me an email at podcast at Calagia with your story and the history behind your company. And thank you again for listening. Um, And I would like to tell you guys all that if you are entrepreneurs or if you are business owners, I have a very, very exciting thing to tell you. I am starting my online incubator and I'm accepting attendees and the class starts January of 2018. It's a three-month training program geared to helping you build a streamlined and profitable business. You can find more on Calagia.com. All right. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's show. This is your host, Simone Simaluka-Radzins of Calagia.com. I hope that you find this episode entertaining and insightful. My goal is to educate all of you about this exciting business because knowledge is power. If you haven't already, head on over to Calagia.com to connect with me and to meet other business leaders in the professional cannabis community. Also, if you like this, please go into iTunes and leave the Cannabis Business Minds podcast a five-star review. See you next episode.